0: Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Konzin, sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Konzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy
1: in marriage, here's Jennifer. Hello, and good morning. You are listening to The Art of Intimate Marriage, and this is Dr. Jennifer Konzin. And we are going to today cover issues with sexual physiology and sexual dysfunction. And this is a somewhat break from what we've been covering so far, which is the overall intimacy in marriage. And the reason for that is because often for many couples, just having an understanding of the physiology of sexuality and what are some of the dysfunctions in sexuality, the physical dysfunctions that occur in sexuality in and of itself brings about changes and answers to the problems that they're having. So even when I'm working with couples professionally in my office, I spend some time foremost early on in therapy doing kind of an education session to explain, okay, exactly how, what are all these body parts and how do they work and what affects them. So we're going to be doing that today. So for those of you listening, it's important that you know that there is going to be mature content and... uh, terminology used today. I'm going to be using very specific terminology, sexual words. And so, if there's young children around, you might want to have them go spend some time doing some other things and not h- listening to this program if that's a concern for you. We are the other reason why uh, you want to pay attention to this program and whether it's best for you at this time to listen is because. For those who have a background either in sexual abuse or where sexual topics bring up a lot of anxiety, you will want to monitor within yourself whether even listening to the description of physiology creates even a greater anxiety or it brings flashes back uh, to some of the scenes and things that happen to you around sexual abuse. So monitor yourself as we're talking today. This is Really uh, biological content and physiological content that um, sometimes can trigger individuals depending on their background. What I actually do when I'm working with couples is uh, when we're working in groups, but also even when I have them in my office in private sessions, I play a, a very simple game. And when they're in groups, I have everybody stand up, and there's up on the screen a bunch of different sexual words, such as anus, penis, vagina, orgasm, oral sex, pubic hair, and so on. Anywhere between. 12 to 16 different words. And I instruct all of the couples to go around and shake hands and say, Hi, my name's Jennifer. And then they add one of those words that's on the list. And they introduce themselves and say, Hi, my name's Jennifer. Penis. Hi, my name's Jennifer Vagina. And they walk around the room and they introduce themselves uh, to all the different people that are there for this workshop. Well, this creates lots and lots of laughter and lots and lots of discomfort. And it's fun to watch people. They don't look in each other's eyes because they're using these um, sexual physiological terms that they don't usually use in common conversations. The discomfort around talking about sexuality is very real, very prevalent, very common. And I'm going to be using all of those terms today. So your discomfort level might be high as it is for those couples who put themselves in my hands in those workshops and overcome some of their anxieties just by laughing about those words. So if your discomfort becomes high, you may want to go ahead and listen to this program at a later time or with someone that you find, you know, just helps with your level of anxiety. So the reality is often the terms we use are things like um, your pee-pee, your wee-wee, and words like that. I'm going to be using words like your vagina and your penis. I'm going to use the word orgasm today, and we're going to talk about how all those things work. We are going to be getting back to issues on intimacy. At this time though, we're going to be addressing addressing physiological issues that are at play and education itself can be quite helpful. So why why? Why is talking about physiology important? Often because there's a lot of myths that we have about, sex. Myths even about how sex works, about the different parts of the body involved in sex, about what's normal, what normal, and normal is a problematic word, what normal people do, what's typical, what's common. So there's a lot of myths. And so I'm going to hopefully dispel some of those. And also even many couples between them, between the husband and wife, they have misunderstandings that are based on a lack of knowledge. So we're going to cover those. Lack of knowledge can also create higher anxiety. When I educate people on some of these pieces we're going to talk about today, it can actually lower their anxiety around sexuality. And understanding dysfunction, period, is helpful because... Having misinformation about that dysfunction will actually sometimes make things worse. So I'm going to cover some of that today. We're going to go into more detail about all the dysfunctions at a later time, but I'm going to tap on many of the common sexual dysfunctions today. And also having information on physiology can let you know what you need help with. What you need to work on, who you need to talk to and get help from. So some of the myths, I want to talk about some of the myths and some of the not helpful expectations that people have around sexuality. Some many, many of those myths are from the media. When you think about it, when I think I've mentioned this in a previous broadcast, but when you go to a movie, when you go see shows on TV and their sexuality is involved when does it happen in the relationship the people that are on those shows when in their relationship are they often having those first sexual encounters it is almost always premaritally or when they first meet or within the first stages of their meeting they very rarely uh, even allude to let alone show sexuality in marital relationships so really even what's shown in tv and movies let us give messages to married couples that this is how things are supposed to be. And in those shows, sex is always accompanied by heavy breathing and clothes being tossed everywhere and uh, orgasms always happen and they always happen mutually at the same time. Well, that's actually not reality, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Uh, Other myths that media can create and that is very common you'll see it in magazines you'll see it even in medications and products that you can buy is how long does it take both the woman and and the man to reach orgasm the, if you ask the common everyday individual Um, hello, how long do you think, if you happen to have this conversation with friends, how long do you think uh, it takes of active stimulation to the male penis for them to reach orgasm? The common answer is people will say five minutes, 10 minutes. Jokingly, I'll hear 20 minutes. The reality is the typical male orgasms within two to five minutes. Why is that important? Because most men would say, I think I have premature ejaculation. I'm ejaculating within about three minutes of stimulation. And technically, that doesn't actually apply to premature ejaculation. Premature ejaculation is actually one minute or less. But the media and the products that are for sale out there say you're supposed to last a lot longer. So these myths about how long people typically last are problematic. One of the beliefs about um, women that comes from movies and TV is that orgasms happen quickly and uh, you know, easily. Actually, the majority of women take between 20 and 30 minutes to of active stimulation to reach orgasm. That's very important to know because the pressure of reaching orgasm quickly can actually cause all kinds of anxiety and, and relational issues. So myths about when, uh, how long it takes can be problematic. Um, mutual orgasm that's shown in these movies that it's always supposed to happen at the same time. And so people try to reach that because it shows it, right? So it must be something that every couple does, right? Actually, most couples have their orgasms at different times. The wife might come to orgasm first through digital manipulation, through oral or uh, sex, or with the husband using his fingers. And then the uh, husband has his orgasm later during intercourse. So it's important to actually realize (laughs) that those expectations are causing problems possibly in your sexual relationship. There's myths and expectations around the idea of arousal and desire, that if, especially for women, if they don't actually feel desire, then they don't desire their spouse. They don't, they aren't attracted to their spouse. They don't want their spouse. This actually does come up for men as well, but it is more predominant as far as in the conflict that sexuality causes for couples. For the female that if she doesn't actually feel desire, there must be something wrong with her. When in all actuality, many women don't feel desire until things start happening until touch starts happening. And Uh, sexual touch starts happening and then the throbbing begins and, and the tingling sensations and then their desire kicks in. So after touching begins, sexual touching begins, that's accompanied by lots of foreplay and touch and it's in a really positive sexual relationship and an overall marital relationship that when everything's going well, then when they're touched sexually, desire kicks in. Actually, that's more common for women. Be aware of that. We're going to talk about that in more detail. Most people do tend to believe that women orgasm during intercourse when that's actually not the case. Most women do not orgasm during intercourse. It's about 30% of women, and this is how research-based is this. This is the common figure that only about 30% of women receive enough stimulation to the clitoris, which we're going to talk about in a minute, that they receive enough stimulation to the clitoris to orgasm during intercourse. Most women need additional stimulation to the clitoris, to the rest of the tissues around the vagina and in the vulva in order to reach intercourse and it, there's not enough stimulation during intercourse. There are so many ideals that are placed, this pursuit of ideal, the idealistic sexual interaction is out there, again, in the media, In newspapers and magazines and so on and that pursuit of that impacts the couple in their bedroom there are other pieces that impact that and those have to do with this is what a male does this is what a female does this is what men are like this is what women are like. so there are stereotypical beliefs out there that affect sexuality in your bedroom, that men always want sex and women um, are not as interested in sex. Those stereotypical gendered expectations will affect how you interact. We're going to go into that more in detail later, but I'm just laying it out there right now. And even within different cultures, there are expectations. Oh, well, Hispanic women are this way and black men are this way and Asian women are this way and white women are this way. There are these cultural as well as racial expectations around sexuality affecting you in your bedroom. So I've exposed some of the myths and we're going to take some time to talk about how to send me questions and so on. And then after that, we're going to come back to some of the physiology that I've been referring to. At this time, I want to encourage you, if (laughs) all these things I'm bringing up are bringing up loads of questions for you, send them to me, jenniferconson at yahoo.com. Just send them directly to that email. My last name is K-O-N-Z-E-N. Send it to me. I would love to address them in previous, in uh, future, excuse me, broadcasts. As well, if you want to see this go out, go ahead and go on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. You can donate there to help this program. And you may be like, ah, I want all this information now. You can get it now. You can go get my book on Amazon, The Art of Intimate Marriage. Okay, returning to our program today. And I'm realizing even as I'm talking (laughs) that I'm already halfway through the program and we have a lot to cover. We may not get to dysfunction today. That may be next week. So we're going to go over some physiology, though, right now. Specific to women, the term that's used for genitalia for women Well, the genitalia in the pelvic region is called the vulva. That's the term for the entire area. And the vulva is made up of multiple different parts. Think of it as an oval, as a kind of a wide oval. And there are three different areas that actually have entry and exit points. And those are the anus, the vagina, and the urethra. The anus. think of that oval and at the bottom is the anus in the lower half in a much larger opening is the vagina and then up in the upper half of that oval a very small point is the urethra that's where the urine comes out it is important most women don't actually know where their urethra is they think their pee not most women but many women think the pee the urine comes out of their vagina it doesn't it's got its own little tube going from the bladder all the way to the vulva, the uh, urethra actually exits, the fluid exits slightly above the vaginal opening. So here you've got your oval, Now picture in that oval around surrounding the vagina and the urethra are two sets of lips. You have lips that you speak with on your mouth, but you also actually have what they call labia or in layman's term lips around your vaginal vulva area you have two sets of them you have a very small set called the labia minora these are a small set of lips very close to the vagina and then a larger flap of tissue on both sides they're called the labia majora these are the large larger lips the major lips Um, we're going to talk about all the tissue that's involved in there but where those lips come together above the urethra so this is where they meet at the top of the oval that's where the clitoris is The clitoris, I'm going to discuss a little bit more about it right after this, but when you actually, if you were to examine yourself physically, you would find a slight knob right there where the lips come together, where the clitoris is, and it's covered by what you call the hood, that's one way, Um, it's got a lot of different terms, but it's a flap of skin that actually protects the clitoris. The mons pubis is the fatty tissue and the hair right above that that also protects the the, 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 the hood that is covering over the clitoris. So those are basic physiology. You, there's more to it, which we're going to go into. But underlying those tissues for women, the clitoris, that little knobby part that's at the upper part of the, the oval, right, where the lips come together. The clitoris is actually not just that little knob. That's just the head. Like think of the penis. The penis has a head and then it has a shaft, right? The clitoris, the head is what you're feeling sticking out. And you'll also somewhat feel the um, shaft. It goes into the pelvic floor. But then down around the the, um, vulva on both sides of the vagina are the clitoral legs. These are the other parts of the clitoris the clitoris isn't just the head it actually has a whole set of legs that come down around so i have had people joke with me i just learned today that i have two sets of legs one that i walk with and one around my vagina yes you do they're called the crura that's a name for legs and males and females have crura and the clitoris for the female the crura come down around the vagina and hence uh, stimulation to all of those areas under the lips can actually lead to orgasm, even without uh, directly touching the clitoris. Okay, we are going to now talk about male physiology briefly, and then I'm going to talk about overall erectile tissues in both the male and female. So, with with the with male physiology is a little bit easier sometimes for people to understand because the penis is actually extended from the body. There are multiple different parts to male physiology. You have the head of the penis, and it's the most sensitive area. And then you have the ridge around the head, and that's also very sensitive. And then you have the shaft of the penis. And in the shaft, and actually throughout the penis, are three different bodies of veins coming through that carry the blood from the rest of the body into the penis. And these are the corpora cavernosa and the corpora corpora spongiosum. So there are three different bodies of differing thicknesses. And this is why when blood flow comes to the penis, the penis becomes erect. Because there are flaps, I'm just going to use a very mm, common word, there are flaps that when the blood comes in, those flaps close and keep the blood in the penis, creating erection. So blood flow is very important to erection. It's actually also just as vital to female arousal, and we'll go into that more in detail when I talk about erectile tissues, but the crura for the men, actually, so the head is right there at the penis and then the legs extend the crura also extend into the male pelvic floor the testicles are actually where sperm is produced and they then travel up through the tubes and then through numerous different biological parts and then the they meet up with semen the sperm do and then they're pushed out through the penis during ejaculation. So very basic anatomy. What is common to both the male and female body is erectile tissue. So let's go back to the female vulva. Uh, Underneath the lips and around the crura, that's the legs that extend from the head of the clitoris down around the vagina, around those Parts of the female genitals are erectile tissue. So we understand that with the male penis, right? You've got erectile tissue all up and down the penis, and it causes the penis to become erect during arousal. With the female, erection happens very... It's it's harder to tell because it's it does extend the lips. The lips will become fuller when the erectile tissue fills up with blood, just like the penis. The female erectile tissue will fill up with blood, and the labia majora and the labia minora, especially the majora, will actually change color. So you'll see, uh, well, you can't, it's a little hard to see yourself, but if you could see, the actual tissues change color during high arousal because of the blood flow coming in. That erectile tissue for women is found Around the vagina, underneath the lips. It's also found between the vagina and the anus. There's erectile tissue in the frenulum, which is the tissue between the vagina and the anus. And then also there's erectile tissue around the urethra. So that's about two thirds up the, in that oval of the vulva. There's about there's quite a bit of erectile tissue around the urethra. And so this is where if you were to place your fingers within the vagina and then press upwards, you're pressing onto what they call the G-spot. That's named after Graffenberg, who was a guy <laughs> a long time ago. So the female organ there is actually named after a male, go figure. That's the G-spot. That's actually the tube of erectile tissue around the urethra. And that's why women will feel arousal if that's pressed. And then there's quite a bit of erectile tissue around the clitoris itself, both in the head, around the shaft, and then around the legs as they come down. In the male, the erectile tissue is all around the penis, and it also goes into the pelvic cavity, and there's erectile tissue between where the penis is connected to the pelvic floor and between that and the anus. So you'll have erectile tissue both in the male and the female between the genital organ and the anus. So you will have um, erect, most of the erectile tissue for men is found in the penis. Most of the erectile for women is all spread out. And hence, men need pretty much very, um, for stimulation, they need stimulation to pretty much one area. And women need stimulation to all kinds of different areas to really bring about orgasm. So that is how erection mm, And stimulation and arousal work for male and female. Those are the tissues underneath it that moderate that arousal and that uh, erectile tissue. The reality is arousal is problematic for men and women because there's so many pieces affecting it. So when we hit some of the other dysfunctions, which we are obviously going to be doing in another broadcast, when we hit those dysfunctions, we're going to be talking about issues with desire, issues with arousal, issues with erection, ejaculation, and orgasm. Those would be the dysfunctions, the problems that occur around the sexual, what they call the sexual response cycle. The typical cycle, we're going to talk about this more in a later broadcast, but the typical sexual response cycle starts with desire, then it goes to arousal, then it goes to orgasm, then it goes to what you would call resolution. But that doesn't apply to many women, which I spoke about earlier. Many women actually first have to be aroused and then desire kicks in. Well, the dysfunctions are actually, the disorders, sexual disorders are named after those different levels of the sexual response cycle. So they reflect issues with desire, with arousal, with orgasm. Um, Specific to women and somewhat with men, you also have sexual pain diagnoses that are common for women. The major ones for women are vaginal pain, problems with orgasm, and low desire, low arousal. The major issues for men are erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation and delayed ejaculation. And we will talk about all of those at a later time and all the different things that affect them. So tune in and we'll cover some of those other physiological challenges to sexuality. Hope this was helpful to you. Tune in next week. This is Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage.
0: Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now let's be real, this is not a typical radio program and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Konzin to address here on air, email her at Jenniferkanzen at yahoo.com. Kanzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferkonzin at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you and if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. TO GIVE OR TO GET MORE INFORMATION ABOUT THE MINISTRY, DR. KONZEN'S CENTER FOR SEXUALITY IN SAN DIEGO, OR TO GET MORE RESOURCES FOR IMPROVING INTIMACY IN MARRIAGE, VISIT US ON THE WEB AT THEARTOFINTIMATEMARRIAGE.COM. AND FOR MORE ON EXPERIENCING THE MARRIAGE GOD DESIGN, JOIN US THIS SAME TIME NEXT WEEK FOR THE ART OF INTIMATE MARRIAGE.